1: Instead of a funny opening today, we wanted to open with a big congratulations to all of our American friends and listeners on your new president today. Yeah. Because we're does. recording
2: on the day of the inauguration. We're also recording via Zoom today. Um, yeah. Because our first time. I felt mildly ill yesterday and Marie is paranoid and doesn't want <laughs> To get sick, even though I haven't been anywhere because I work from home. I know. Um, but still, she just safe. Better be safe and sorry. I've
1: had two family members get COVID. Like,
2: That's my brother... True. You and do myself. have a very
1: high rate of COVID in your family. Like, fuck, what the fuck? And I'm like, bro, like, my brother. my brother doesn't go anywhere. He works from home, and he does not go anywhere. And somehow he got it. Like, from going to Tim Hortons or something? I don't know. So, yeah, I decided that today we were going to record from um, from Zoom. Also, our city is in lockdown right now. We're not yeah. supposed to be hanging out with each
2: other. So. Yeah, really, we, we shouldn't be. So, um, And those, those measures came into effect a week ago, so we mm-hmm. haven't even seen each other since. Mm-hmm. Anyway, welcome back guys to paranormal we've got two stories today um we have decided and have been inspired by the new show on netflix um surviving death yeah surviving death so i only watched the first episode but marie i recommended marie watch it and she's i think have you watched it all i binged it
1: i binged it all in one day and nice. it was the greatest decision i ever made it was so good only two of the episodes scared me
2: but the rest oh, of those them were scary episodes oh, okay only two only right. two great <laughs> Um, well I'll I so basically her story is a story I haven't heard or seen or anything, so that's great. And um mine Unlikely. as well. Yeah. I will also so we're gonna be focusing on reincarnation for this this <laughs> episode. I'm excited. Which I'm pumped about. Me too. Um but first let's do horoscopes.
1: Let's do horoscopes. So your horoscope. What's gotten into your friends and family? It seems like they're being contrary simply for the sake of needling each other and you. Whatever the reason, try and let it roll off your back. To avoid a full on flame out with someone you care about, resolve to turn the other cheek and ignore their bizarre
2: behavior. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's bizarre, I would say that it's typical behavior from um predominantly my mother uh who for some reason feels the need to meddle in mostly everybody's life but specifically mine and um like yesterday she was just asking me questions about like um like admir had a migraine and so she was like why does he have a migraine is he is he eating too much sugar uh is he getting enough sleep i'm like well no we both haven't really been getting great sleep like the bed is like this bed topper that we have is kind of shit so i'm like we got a new one so hopefully that helps which it did and um he also screwed up his back so he hasn't been sleeping very well from that so i had said because of his back as well and she was like what did he do to his back i'm like honestly mom you, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm telling you, like, this is what happened. Like, what, what is, why do you need to know every single detail of the right. event? Um, and then, so I'm like telling her, she's like, no, I don't remember. I'm like, well, I told you. And it was like, l- not even a month ago. So I don't know. Like, why are you accusing me of like- oh I don't know lying I have no idea half the time I just don't even know and I'm just like so I have to literally I just stop speaking to her and then she'll just message me eventually saying good night because I just have oh. to I just have to stop speaking because I know the more I go the more she'll needle and meddle right, right. for more and dig more right. and every day ask how my dog is as if like she's the primary caregiver and not me <laughs>
1: nothing annoys me more than that when somebody acts as if they are like, they give more of a shit about your animal than you do. Yeah. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, you see him once a week. I see him six days a week, if not more. And if I didn't see him that often, he would literally fall into a depression if I leave him for more than 24 hours. So just be aware that my dog is my dog. Okay anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And so you cook him rant. salmon often. Every day, every day of his life. I cook him salmon. I've now ramped up his diet to make it. He's got, he gets salmon, he gets peas, he gets kale, he gets mix, mixed vegetables. And um, every other day he has to take a steroid as well. So right. he gets that and, oh, and he also gets barley for his right. carbs. Anyway. So what I'm saying is clearly you care about your dog. Clearly, <laughs> I care about my dog, and it really frustrates me when people try to um, accuse me of being like a not an effective dog parent. Right. Or for a baby parent or whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's my. I guess it's accurate, but bizarre isn't the word. It's more just like constant. Got him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Gemini, you tend to be a master psychologist. You don't need to know people well in order to accurately size them up. But today, this ability could be temporary la- temporarily lacking. You don't sense much from those you meet. And when you do, what you pick up isn't likely to be very accurate. Don't worry, your mind should be back to, mor- to normal tomorrow. Well, you won't be meeting that many people right now.
1: I didn't meet a single person. No. <laughs> no. So, no, doesn't ring true today.
2: Sorry, everyone. No, they should have really uh, reconsidered that given COVID. Yeah, doy. Anyway. <laughs> that scenario. So, okay.
1: Yeah, so as Nicolina said, we're going to be doing reincarnation stories. Um, we I obviously got this story from surviving death. It's only a small part of a long episode, so it's not like I'm ruining an entire episode for anybody just a part of it. And um, we were talking, Nicolina and I were talking about how it would be fun if on our next live Q&A in February, if all of our Patreons wanted to watch it, it's on Netflix. um, And then we can kind of discuss it, talk about our favorite episodes, things that we thought were scary because there was two episodes that freaked me out um, and stuff like that. We thought it would be fun. So let us know if you want to do that because we are planning on doing that for our live Q&A. Okay. So I am going to do the story of James 3, and you will understand that momentarily. So James says that he can remember the feeling of knowing that he was about to die. The story starts when James was having nightmares as a two-year-old. He would lay on his back kicking and screaming. And one night, his mom finally heard the words that he was screaming instead of just loud screaming noises. She could finally make out what he was saying. Um, And what he was saying was airplane crash on fire, little man can't get out. So, one, yeah. So one day, his mom asked him about the nightmares. And she had asked him who the little man in the plane was. And he responded that the man is James. And she thought he didn't understand what she was asking him because that's his name. And he was only two years old. So she was like, oh, okay, like strange, whatever. Um, and then she asked him another question, which was, does the little man have any friends? And right away he responded, Jack, Jack Larson. Okay. So obviously his parents are super confused. He They didn't understand how he was giving them like a specific name and they couldn't understand where the name came from because they had didn't have any friends named Jack, nobody named Larson. Like they have no idea where this came from. So then James turns three and he started drawing airplane battle scenes. Obviously like crude drawings like a child would make, but it was clear that they were... Um, drawings of airplanes that were crashing or were in battle. And James was obsessed with planes. He could go to like aviation museums and he could name every plane that was in there. And then he could give you like specs on the planes and he's three. Wow. And he knew things uh, like when he got older, he, his knowledge of planes was, was like so insane and his parents didn't have a knowledge of planes so they don't understood how he acquired the knowledge. Um, so he, yeah, he was basically just like obsessed with planes. He, they showed like a video of him walking around an aviation museum and like pointing things out on planes, different parts of the plane. He knew the correct names for them and stuff. And they're like, how does this kid know so much about planes? We don't know. Anyway. So then one day, he was playing with a toy plane and he looked at his mom and he told her like super nonchalantly, uh, he said, mom, before I was born, I was a pilot and my airplane got shot in the engine and I crashed in the water and that's how I died. So another weird thing, we're going to go back to the drawings for a second. Another weird things about thing about the drawings, uh, that he would do is he would sign his name, even though he was only like two or three years old, um, And had never been taught how to write his name, he would sign the name James, and then he would put a number three at the end of it. And uh, his mom asked him why he was signing his name with the number three at the end of it, and he said, because I'm the third James. And they're like, okay. 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 wasn't until James's mom brought this up to his grandmother, so her mom, uh, when the grandma finally said, maybe he's remembering a past life. And so when James's mom brought it up to his dad, his dad was like, that's absolutely not what's happening. Like, there's no way. So obviously, as James gets older, he's better able to articulate himself. And that's when things start becoming much more clear to his parents about what's going on. One day, his dad had asked him who shot the plane down, and James responded with, the Japanese. So his dad asked him, how do you know it was the Japanese? And James said, the big red sun, which obviously that's the Japanese flag, right? Right, right. So the next question the dad asked was, well, where did your plane come from? And James responded that the plane came from a boat. And so James' dad asks, did your boat have a name? And James responded, Natoma. And the dad again responded with, that sounds like a Japanese name. And then when he said that, James got really upset. And he looked at his dad like he was an idiot and said, no, it's American. So James's dad ends up buying a book called The Battle of Iwo Jima. Because obviously he's getting like interested in like mm-hmm. the wars that have occurred between the Americans and the Japanese. Right. So he starts looking into this more seriously. So he buys a book called The Battle of Iwo Jima. And one day he spontaneously opens up the book and there's a page with a map of Iwo Jima on it. And it was showing an island. And James looked at the book and said, that's where my plane went down. So at this point, uh, James's dad goes to his office. He gets on the computer. He starts doing internet searches. This is old school Google searches. This is like early two thousands, late nineties Google. So just to give you an idea of what we are dealing with here in terms of search engine capacity, or what it's right, to right, right, provide right. you. Um, and he said that around search hit number four hundred, James's dad pulled up a report for the USS Natoma Bay, and then in brackets CVE sixty two. So that's the name of a boat right right, so he read the report it was a ship that had so not only was it a boat it was a boat that had been at Iwo Jima where James okay. said his plane was shot down-huh obviously the dad is freaking out at this point so he goes to the website he goes to the website that like this hit came to and there is a picture of the ship so the dad is freaking out because there's just no way that his son could have known the information so In the drawings that they showed on the screen from when he was three, some of the drawings do look like this ship. I know it sounds weird, but when you watch the documentary, you'll see what I mean. It's not just a boat. It looks like this ship. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, the dad's freaking out. He doesn't like, there's no way the son could have known this information. He was like four or five at the time. So it's not like he would have known how to use a search engine to find this information. Just- bizarre so the ship name wasn't even in the book that he purchased by the way so when he looked through the book they never even mentioned the ship name in there
2: right so it wasn't Um, a common commonly known name of this this ship like it wasn't right well documented
1: exactly so the dad this is this opens up the wormhole for the dad so the dad's like okay i have to you know internet search way more about what's going on here so he keeps searching and he finds he ends up finding a log book for the ship okay and through this log book is how he finds out that jack larson was the assistant armorman's officer aboard the natoma bay ship that james told wow him. yeah wow So his dad starts to keep a timeline of things that James is telling him. And in the show, he has like those massive, you know, when you were in elementary school, they had those like massive sheets of lined paper and they would write on them in marker. He had those and he was going through them and I caught the date on one of them. So his dad's like keeping a timeline of the things James is telling him. He's showing the list that of things that James was saying that were, were like just crazy things that he could have never known on his own. He couldn't explain. And on March 7, 2005, the chart says that James accurately describes to his dad how to make a napalm bomb. Ooh, that's James what, was six years insane. old in 2005. Yeah, that's insane. Six years old. So again, like I mentioned, Google wasn't as user-friendly as it was today and no. website obviously we're not what they are now. What did we have? Like MySpace and GeoCities in 2005.
2: They were just not what, what we're used to I now. mean, I remember like, I don't even know if they had Google Scholar at that point. Like I remember starting I I in 2006 mm-hmm. and that's, I started using Google Scholar around then. But mm-hmm. I remember th- there was limit. That was like, that was where you got information from. And even yeah. that was like limited resources because it'd be like the first three pages of a book. And that's all that would be provided unless you like bought the book or something. Right. It was crazy.
1: Um, So James start, James's dad starts looking at online forums to see if he can find anybody that could help him with the information that he has right now. Um, Because again, there was like no websites to help him out with this stuff. So he was asking people if they knew any veterans from the USS Natoma Bay ship. And, he was trying to get information from libraries as well. Eventually he had heard through these forums, somebody tells him that there's going to be a Natoma Bay reunion for the veterans that were aboard the ship. So they decide that they're gonna go to the, the reunion. Mm-hmm. So they they go and they're talking to people there. And while they're talking to people there is when they found out that there was only one pilot. That was killed in the Battle of Imo, or the Iwo Jima operation. Only one pilot had been killed in that in that operation. Right. And his name was James M. Houston Jr. Okay. So because the pilot James was a James Jr., that means there was a James Sr. Right. Which would make little kid James uh-huh. James II, James II signing all of his pictures okay right okay so the parents really wanted to find family members of james houston the pilot right and they ended they did end up finding his sister her name is annie james so james and her like start talking the the mom um like tells annie when they make contact all of the things that james has said about the family And James knew her name, he knew their sister's name, and he knew about things that James Houston used to do as a child. So there's, Annie is in the documentary, and she's like, there are very specific things that he mentioned about my childhood and his childhood that, like, even if he had a, even if, like, he, there's just obviously no way of him knowing this stuff. Right. They, they do end up meeting, they end up going out for dinner with the sister, and James, the little child James, uh, describes it as seeing somebody that you haven't seen in a long time, and he was super excited to meet her, and he said it felt weird because they had never met each other before, but they definitely knew each other, and The Annie says in the documentary, she absolutely 100% believes that this child is a reincarnation of her brother based on the information that he's provided her and based on like his mannerisms, the feeling she got when he was around him and things like Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. So the family actually ends up deciding to go to Japan because of all of this. They end up sailing to the island where James Houston's plane was shot down. They were about 150 yards away from where the plane crashed and they're pretty sure that they sailed over the plane as they were coming in. There's a video of them arriving and James is just like completely overcome with emotion. His mom tells him it's time to say goodbye to James Houston. And James says that in that moment, he just releases something. And as soon as they get back on shore, James stops crying. He says that a weight has been or a weight that has loomed over him for the entirety of his youth has now been lifted there are a lot of things that still affect James to this day from it he still has memories of the plane going down and he can still feel the fear and dread from that moment when he has those memories and that is the story of the reincarnation of James Houston the veteran pilot
2: Like that one. Thank you. I thought it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Some of these stories that these kids like. I I read like fifteen stories about. Oh my god. About kids before I decided on the one that I'm gonna tell. um But like, you just know, like a, a child could never find that information. No. Themselves.
1: So many good
2: ones, and like, I guess because
1: they're so young and they haven't had anyone be like, no, you're being stupid. Blah blah. Like. They, you know, have all this information still, you know, up there.
2: So anyway. So I chose the story of um, Shanti Debbie. And I got my information from the Wikipedia page on Shanti Debbie. And um, a report that was created by Dr. Ian Stevenson and Dr. K.S. Rawat. Um, as well as a book called The 30 Most Convincing um, Cases of Reincarnation by Trutz Hardo. So Shanti Devi is one of the best cases of children's past life memories to ever be recorded. It was investigated by a committee of prominent citizens appointed by Mahatma Gandhi, who accompanied Shanti Devi to the village of her past life uh, recollections and recorded what they witnessed. So this is her story and I just want to say there are a lot of um, names in this story that are very different from um, the English language so I am going to try my very best to say them um, and, and pronounce them properly. So her story begins with Shanti Devi was born in Delhi, India on December 11th 1926. She was not a very talkative child, but at the age of three, she began to speak of her home in Mathura, a town between New Delhi and Agra in India. When she was four years old, she began to speak more about her earlier life and about having been married. She said she remembered she had lived in a household with her sisters, her mother, and her husband shanti told her mother that she came from a more well-to-do home and that this present house was not her actual home she said you are not my real mother you don't even look like her furthermore she told her that her husband used to have a fabric shop and that her house in mathura was painted yellow naturally her parents did not want to believe any of it um, and on one occasion she refused to eat the food that they put on the table When asked why she didn't want to eat, she said, I want sattva food. Her mother replied, sattva food? No one here has ever used this expression. Shanti replied, we use that word in Mathura, we don't eat meat. It is not right to eat animals. It is a terrible crime. Still, some people eat meat, but we don't. When her mother asked her whom she meant by we, the four-year-old Shanti answered that she meant her husband's family. I personally see to it that my husband only eats sattva food. Even our servants are not permitted to prepare his food. When he returns home from his shop, I serve him his dinner. He likes things to be that way. After that incident, her father was very understanding and allowed his daughter to eat vegetarian dishes. After dinner, when their daughter had left the room, Mrs. Bahadur said to her husband, what on earth did we do in our previous life to be experiencing such bad karma now by being punished with a mentally ill daughter? Oh, I so mean, I, 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 I get it. Cause like at first you would think that there's something actually just like mentally wrong with her, right? Um, but anyway, so her husband answered, if it is true that she remembers her past life, then she has some ba- bad luck awaiting her. Even the old scriptures speak of this. He was referring to the Vedic scriptures in which it is written that a child that remembers past lives would die young. To avoid this, Mr. Bahadur and his wife forbid their daughter to talk about her former life in Mathura, hoping she would soon lose her memories and stop talking about them. Um, Shanti nonetheless went on speaking of her past life even to visitors who came to the house she hoped that at least one of them would believe her and help her fulfill her wish to go to mathura at school she regularly referred to her past life by making comments to her friends and teachers her classmates teased her about being married and having a son her teacher who was related to her family like her existing family showed an interest in her case and questioned her about it he even asked her for the name of her previous husband Her response was, I will recognize him when I see him, because it was not permitted for a Hindu woman to use her husband's name. Okay. So, when her teacher finally promised her that he would take her to Mathura if she told him his name, she said, my husband's name is Pandit Kendarnath Kobe, which is a very specific name. Um, Yeah. it sure is <laughs> <laughs> after she had given him the complete address so she knew the address of where she lived as well come on he told his friend who was the head of the school and together they wrote a let- letter to the address in the vain hope of receiving a reply the letter said dear sir i have recently got to know a girl by the name of shanti debbie she is a resident in a part of the town called shakirhana she is the daughter of a businessman called Rang Bahadur Mathur. She is nearly nine years old. She is able to tell us amazing details about you. She claims the following to be true. In my past life, I belonged to the Kobe family from Mathura. I belonged to the Braham caste and my husband's name was Kendarnath. He was the owner of a shop near Varkad Temple. My house was painted completely yellow. My name was Lungodi Devi. Um, may I bother you, dear Pandit, and ask you kindly to inform me whether there is any truth to these claims. Did Lungongoodi Devi exist? Please let me know if there was really such a person. May God bless you with the greatest respect and his signature. So a few weeks later, the two teachers held a reply from this person in their hands, which which said, I was very surprised and somewhat excited when I read your letter. The things you wrote about are absolutely correct. I had a wife called Lungo Di Devi. She has since died. I really do have a shop near the Varkad temple. Who is this girl who knows all this?
1: Nicolina, I just got, I'm not kidding you. I just got goosebumps. And I barely yeah. get
2: that. This story is <laughs> something else. So Mr. Kobe was extremely keen to find out whether this girl was really his deceased wife reborn. He asked his cousin to look up Shanti Devi's parents in the city in order to find out more about their daughter and to put Shanti's memories of their previous life together to the test. So when his cousin met Shanti face-to-face, she immediately recognized him as one of her husband's younger cousins and called him by his name. Holy shit, okay. Okay. Shanti then asked him about her son, um, Nambita Lal, and inquired about his well-being. She described the layout of her house and its location, which was directly in front of the Varkad Temple. Her previous husband's cousin was so convinced by her exact descriptions that he didn't even bother to write Kobe about his, his impressions of her. He was just like, I need to tell you about this this girl because she knows so much about you Um, and he really believed that it was his wife so Mr. Kobe's curiosity um, had now been awakened and decided to travel to Delhi with his present wife his son from his first marriage and his cousin in order to see the girl with his own eyes when they arrived Shanti was at school they decided to pretend that Kobe was an older brother when meeting Shanti's family With this, he wanted to put Shanti to the test once more and make sure that her family would not tell her before they met. After all, they didn't really know who was coming to visit anyway, so they wouldn't have known who it was. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. So when the eight-year-old came home from school, they told her that she had a visitor waiting for her in the other room. When she entered the room, she immediately recognized her husband from the past. Without saying a word, she bowed her head in shy respect for him and stood by his side. "'as was the custom for Hindu wives "'in the presence of their husbands. "'Her eyes were gleaming with joy. "'They asked her why she behaved like this "'since the man at her side was Kobay's older brother. "'Shanti replied calmly, "'No, he's not. "'He is my husband. "'I have told you about him many times.'" "'Oh my God, Shanti.'" "'I know. "'When she looked at, her, at the 10-year-old boy, "'she immediately knew him to be her son. "'She hugged him and cried for a long time.'" Then she asked her mother to bring all of her own toys that, so that she could give them to her son. Um, and when her mom, I know, and when her oh mother showed reluctance, she ran off herself and returned ten minutes later with an armful of toys. I am going to cry. That is the cutest thing I've ever. I know. Even though she was more than a year younger than her son, everyone could detect a motherly love in the way she looked at him and behaved towards him. Shanti was so moved by everything that she often had to cry and infected everyone present with her tears. It was not long before the news of this extraordinary family reunion, it spread throughout the neighborhood. In no time at all, a large number of interested people had appeared. Mr. Kobe suggested that they escape the bustle in an open, horse-drawn cart. During their walk, Shanti and their son walked hand in hand. Later, when they returned, Shanti begged her mother to prepare a meal of all of her husband's favorite dishes. She also recognized her jewelry from her past life, which Mr. Kobe's new wife was now wearing. Oh, shit. It's, yeah. Okay. After their meal, she asked her husband why he had remarried. Did we not agree that after the death of one of us, neither would remarry? Mr. Kobe had apparently gazed at the floor feeling uncomfortable, according to Shanti's father, who later confided this to the journalist, Jeffrey Iverson. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shanti's father encouraged Shanti to tell him more about the, about her house. To this, Shanti replied, There is a courtyard in the center of the house. That's where the well is. I often used to sit on the edge of it to bathe. Many other questions were put to her concerning her family in this past life. Mr. Kobe asked Shanti how she recognized her son immediately, since on the day she died, he was only nine days old. Shanti's spontaneous reply, like that of a wise woman, was, He is my life. The life in me recognized the life in him. When Mr. Kobe excused himself since he wished to discuss some private matters with Shanti, when they finally returned to the others, he announced, no one other than my previous wife and myself could know all of these things. This girl is my deceased wife, and I am no longer in any doubt about it. Oh, my God. The things... I want to know what the things were. (laughs) I know. So, basically... Um, that comes at the end, but there's not, he doesn't want to dis- divulge everything because he doesn't want to disrespect his current wife as well. Got um, it. yeah. So news of the event spread like wildfire. The paper Indian press sent out its reporters, making it possible for millions of readers to hear about the latest sensation. Mr. Badher was now encouraged by various parties to finally fulfill Shanti Devi's wish to travel to Mathura. Mr. and Mrs. Badaher absolutely forbid this out of fear of losing their daughter to her past family, until Mahatma Gandhi showed great interest in the case, so he personally decided to go and meet Shanti. His visit was primarily in order to personally ask her all sorts of questions, and secondly to ask her parents to allow their daughter to travel to Mathura. This wish from such an illustrious man, whom the Indians have worshipped like a god for generations, could not be refused. Finally, a committee was formed to investigate this case scientifically, which consisted of 15 people chosen honorarily. Among them was a publisher of one of the most popular newspapers, a solicitor, and a parliamentary backbencher. They decided to accompany Shanti Devi to Mathura in order to examine her claims there and then. She had never been there before, and her father also reassured her that he himself had never been to Mathura either. On November 24, 1935, 12 days after Mr. Kobe had visited Shanti Devi, her parents and the entire committee boarded the train that was to take them on the three-hour journey to Mathura. While on the train, someone mentioned the time, and the nine-year-old announced that, precisely at this time, the gates to the Barkhead Temple were being closed. Instead of using the word gate in her Hindi language, she used an unusual word only used in Mathura and its surrounding area. When they arrived at their destination, thousands of onlookers informed about the imminent arrival of Shanti Devi by their newspapers had gathered at the station. A tall man wearing a turban and carrying a stick pushed his way through the crowd, stood in front of the girl and said, Do you know me?
0: 18 plus.
2: Shanti bowed down with respect and touched his feet. Then she rose and stood by his side. She turned to one of the committee members and said, This is my husband's oldest brother. When they drove through the streets in an open horse carriage, she could tell which roads had not been surfaced in the past and could point out the houses that had not been there before. When they arrived at the crossing, she climbed down from the carriage and led the committee to her house that was surrounded by a huge crowd of people. An elderly man was waiting there dressed in Brahmin clothing. She bowed down before him and said, this is my father-in-law. Among the crowd, she also discovered her 25-year-old brother and her father-in-law's brother from her past life. To her amazement, the house was not yellow as she remembered. She was then told that after her death, the house had changed hands and that the new owners had painted it a different color. When she was led through the house, um, she pointed out all the things that had changed. One of the people asked her whether she knew where the Jajeri Khan was. This word is only used in this area and so would be unfamiliar to a girl from Delhi. She immediately went downstairs and pointed to the toilet. So that's what that meant. And that was just specific dialect to the area. In the afternoon, one of the committee members took Shanti on his shoulders to avoid the crush of the crowds, for her job was to now find the other house, which she had also lived with her husband. And following her directions, he carried her to a building, and she pointed it to it and said, that is my house. She led the committee into the house. First, they came to a yard situated in the center of the house. Once there, she was shocked not to find the well in which she used to bathe. She pointed to a particular place and said that the well used to be there. They lifted a stone slab off the ground and found under it the well she had spoken of. After that, she led the committee through the house and described all the rooms in great detail. When they reached the bedroom, she pointed to the floor and said, This is where I hid my money. If you check here under the floor, you will find a box containing 150 rupees. They lifted the floorboards in the presence of Mr. Kobe, her previous husband, and found the box as described but there was no money in it. Shanti was extremely surprised and said that someone must have taken it. Mr. Kobe now owned up to having having taken the 150 rupees himself. After this incident, Shanti led the committee to the river Jumna to show them where she used to bathe. She pointed to a house and said, my parents used to live in that house. Then she suddenly ran off in the direction of the house and the committee had to be quick to catch up with her. In the house, there were 45 people. Among them, she recognized her mother from the past and immediately went to sit on her lap. The older woman asked the girl whether she could tell her about something that they both knew about their past. Shanti remembered her that she had promised her on her deathbed that she would bring flowers and sweets to her for Lord Krishna. When the nine-year-old asked her whether she had kept this promise, her mother from the past had to admit she had forgotten about it. Shanti then said with regret, why has no one kept their promises? Why do people always lie to the dying? Oh, oh the man. woman now totally convinced by having publicly discussed the experiences she had shared with the girl and her, their past hug, hugged her more intimately than ever. Obviously feeling bad that people had let her down after her death, right? She was certain that the girl really was her daughter. Suddenly the tears flowed and Shanti now greeted her father from the past. He too was touched and began to cry. The remaining people present were also moved to tears. Shanti's present-day parents had also accompanied their daughter to Mathura and were witness to this moving scene. Mrs. Badher was in turmoil since she was certain that her daughter would no longer wish to return to Delhi with her. She had found her previous mother, and they were now hugging each other as though they never wished to be separated again. She turned to her husband and said, they want to rob us of of our daughter. They are all part of this conspiracy. Shanti's previous mother um, sensed the fear and despair and said, let Shanti decide. Mr. Bahadur, who had innately let go of his daughter, tried to comfort his wife by saying, it is fate, my dear. It is karma. We are all subject to this law. Everyone now gathered in the room and looked at Shanti with great anticipation, wondering what her decision would be. Meanwhile, she had gathered her thoughts and wiped her tears. She freed herself from the arms of her previous mother and whispered to her and her father, Forgive me. And then walked through the door. She then traveled home with her parents. Oh, my God. I was literally, I thought she was going to stay. I thought so, too. But basically, I read in in other things, she was just so disappointed by the, the fact that this family didn't keep their promises to her. And, like, her husband remarried. Like, that's heartbreaking, you know? So, I Well, yeah, feel... and she's an eight-year-old girl, and he's a grown man. And that, too. But to it was, like, her? the loyalty that she probably originally felt was probably, at this point, gone. Yeah, for, for sure, yeah. Oof. Yeah. So, flash forward five years later, an inquisitive scientist decided to reopen the case of Shanti Devi, who by now had become famous in India. He wished to research her case in more depth. Um, his name was Dr. Bose, and looked up Shanti's previous husband to find out what he discussed with the girl on his first visit. So Dr. Bose had reassured him that as a scientist, he was curious to find out the truth about everything, including things like the intimate discussions with Shanti. Was it not Mr. Kobe who announced that he no longer doubted the validity of her statements? So um, Mr. Kobe told him that to this day, he had not wanted to talk about anyone else. to anyone else about these private discussions. Mr. Bose was to be the first person with whom he would be pleased to discuss the matter. He told him that he had asked Shanti to tell him about things that only she and he himself knew about. Shanti then suggested his present wife leave the room. He replied saying that she may speak freely in her presence. So she then answered, ask me what you wish to know and I will answer. He reminded her about an accident that had caused her a lot of pain at the time. Shanti described the events in detail and could show him the exact place on her body where she had injured herself during a fall. These exact descriptions had completely convinced him of the truth of her claims. So Dr. Bose himself went to visit Shanti, who by now was quite older. He wanted to hear about the whole sequence of events surrounding her accident in her own words. As always, she could remember everything clearly. Dr. Bose asked her, can you remember how you died and what you experienced after that? Shanti described to Mr. Bose what she experienced during and after her death. Shortly before her death, she found herself surrounded by darkness. In the darkness, she discovered a shining light above her. In a state, which could only be described as cloud-like, she had floated towards the light. She was no longer aware of her earthly body, On the bed and therefore did not turn around to look at it she no longer felt any pain she found herself standing in the bright light she could see four figures in yellow robes approaching her they led her into a beautiful garden the likes of which she had never seen on earth her own comment was it was more beautiful than i could describe with words the beings there appeared to be holy they were of both sexes she was told many things For example, the place where she was now, there was no darkness and therefore no night exists, only light. She was told that we are all the same beings, so it makes no difference whether someone was Hindu, Muslim, or Christian. After having spent a long time in this other world, she was told that she was to return to Earth and was to be born again as a girl in Delhi. She was also told the name of the father whose daughter she would be. She experienced the descent to Earth as a path leading back into the darkness. When the somewhat skeptical Dr. Bose asked the 13-year-old how she imagined it possible to see things without her five ordinary bodily senses after death, she answered that it was very difficult for her to explain to him exactly what she had experienced. She did tell him that without her physical body, it was possible for her to see through walls. In other words, she could perceive things, which normally she was unable to see with her physical eyes. Apparently, this experience was similar with all the senses. This is to say, in a a state where no heartbeat is felt and brainwave activity is no longer registered. These experiences and those of Shanti Devi, who spoke of them over 40 40 years ago, seem to be the same. So multiple people have done reports of life after death experiences and have basically confirmed that that feeling after death. So Shanti Devi died in 1988. Because of her vows she made to her husband during her life, she never actually remarried. She was convinced that with this incarnation as Shanti Devi, she had completed her earthly lives and would no longer have to return to Earth. So that's the the life of reincarnation of Lungdi debbie wow. into Shanti that Devi. that was a
1: good one i'm yeah i'm impressed by that one that one's really good
2: yeah a lot there i think that there's like obviously more to it because there's so many there's a lot of case studies that cover this and she's she did interviews up until a year before Holy she died shit. did she um, die young did they say like what year so she was um born in 1918 and died oh. in 1988 so she was like 60 in her 60s okay okay. I forgot you said that at the beginning so I mean she wasn't like so basically yeah the the whole the scriptures weren't completely right in saying that she was gonna die young yeah definitely not okay
1: okay so I okay. think for our fuck Mary kill section we're gonna do famous Aquarians because
2: it is the age of Aquarius mm-hmm. currently everyone it currently is and I have I want you to pick this okay. Aquarian.
1: I'm going to look you know up some famous one? ones right now. I didn't look them up. So give me a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know exactly awesome. who you're talking about. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So the famous Aquarians that I am choosing for you are Harry Styles, obviously, mm-hmm. Oprah, mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Shakira. Okay those are good so i'm gonna kill oprah just because she's the oldest honestly it's just because she's the oldest but um shakira i am going to sleep with um and harry styles oh i would forever have sex with harry styles
1: I would kill Shakira, and I would marry Oprah. She is a
2: billionaire. I mean, I think Harry Styles is doing fine, too. Yeah, okay, that's fair. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. But I I knew we were going to have differing opinions on that one. Okay, so for you, I have Michael B. Jordan, Alicia Keys, and Paris Hilton. This is hard, because I like all of them very
1: much yeah same um i'm gonna kill paris hilton that pains me to do i know everyone's gonna be like she's so brilliant did you see her new documentary yes (laughs) and i know she's brilliant and i knew about her fake voice because she would switch it on and off during the simple life like i know that but it pains me Mm -hmm. because i want to marry alicia
2: keys and have sex with michael b jordan okay that is fair that's all um so I would personally um, sleep with Michael B. Jordan, um, marry, not Alicia Keys, I would kill Alicia Keys, and I, now I forget the last person that I Paris said. Paris Hilton. Oh, I would um, marry Paris Hilton.
1: Okay, that's fair. Yeah,
2: that would be, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, she is an heiress, so yeah like and i just feel like she like i'd love to just be her hype girl on her dj yes escapades yes in ibiza yes i love that that's good okay dream hashtag follow your dreams (laughs) (laughs) okay guys well another That concludes another (laughs) sorry god (laughs) (laughs) that concludes another episode of paranormal another what were you gonna say I was going to say, that that's another riveting
1: episode of Paranormal. (laughs) (laughs) On
2: that note, stay spooky. Because that's a showbiz baby. If you like this episode of Paranormal, we need your help. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple. And if you listen to us on Spotify, go ahead and click the follow
1: button. Even better, you can donate to us on Patreon, where you can access bonus content and members-only merch. To support your favorite spooky duo, go to Patreon.com/ParanormalPod. And for show updates and giveaways, be
2: sure to follow us on Instagram at ParanormalPod. And remember, stay spooky.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts